Hello, and thanks for joining the Service Unknown podcast, an open-ended platform that facilitates new ideas and discussion, powered by Superimpose. Series 1, Episode 2, Permaflux Panel Discussion. Welcome. Today, your host is Jenny, Strategy Director at Superimpose. I'll be discussing the subject of permaflux. This is one part of a three-part series, getting deeper into this new idea we have identified as a new state of mind, a concept which came about as a collaboration between the Akin and Services Unknown. Join me in the studio today is Shira, founder and editor of Screenshot Magazine, Zeba, founder of Her Visions, and Sarah, co-founder of the Akin. Um, it'd be great if you guys can give us a little background on yourselves and your endeavours. Um, yeah, thanks so much for having me here. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, like you said, I run Screenshot Magazine, which is a 360 media company publishing content to new-gen audiences and news consumers on politics, technology, and pop culture. And yeah, I guess I'll tell you a bit more about what I do as the conversation kind of rolls through. Hi, my name's uh, Zeba Jabbar. I'm founder of Her Visions. Um, Her Visions supports and promotes non-binary and female-identifying artists, um, specifically new media artists, um, working at the intersection of art, technology and culture. Hi, (laughs) I'm Sarah. Uh, I am, as Jenny already said, founder of The Akin, um, and we are a strategic insight company that work on global projects that usually look into the future of people's lives. So I love to spend a lot of time thinking about the future. <laughs> um, and we work from all across lifestyle brands, from alcohol to sportswear and everything in between. And we also do our own kind of cultural trends, which is how this conversation began. <laughs> Great. Um, the purpose of today is to have a conversation, explore the main topics and themes brought up by the Permaflux report, um, which you can read online or listen to our previous episode for the audio report. How different perspectives and experiences can be particularly sensitive um, to Permaflux across different individuals' respective fields and environments, professionally or personally. Um, on that, for those who are unfamiliar with Permaflux in general, it's a term we've coined to capture this new era we're living in, one of which we're permanently in flux, where contradiction and chaos exist, and we find our attitudes and behaviours in conflict. Um, Sarah, it'd be great if you can start off to give us, um, listeners, a little background as to how this project came about and why we think it matters. So Permaflux came about through a series of pretty meta conversations between Deakin and Superimpose through various meetings. And um, we and Superimpose spent a lot of time thinking about culture, thinking about the future. Um, And one thing that kept coming out in lots of our trend reports, but also consumer research and also the work that Superimpose are creating was this theme around contradiction. So we were Mm -hmm. finding that we were having interviews in people's homes talking about, for example, sustainability. And somebody would be really, really passionate about only wearing vegan leather trainers, only doing all this stuff. And then at the end of the interview, they would be like, oh, I'm going to order something from Deliveroo. Do you want something? And we'd be like, hang on. We just had a conversation about the carbon footprint of your leather sneakers. But OK. Um, and then, yeah, we ended up having this debate with Superimpose and Jenny and Phil and some of the, the other guys. And it seemed to just be a theme that we were all pretty passionate about digging into and exploring as what was happening in culture. And I think one of the things I think was fascinating with Permaflux is 
you know, there's so many different levels and examples that every person can probably refer to or have a personal experience they can relate to. Um, opening to the floor, it'd be great to hear, I guess, you guys' interpretations of what permaflux means to you or when was the last time you felt permaflux? And for me, as an example, even this morning on the way to work, reading one of the screenshots and articles on clean beauty or Amazon influencers or sustainable fashion is, you know, a daily confrontation of the world we live in and some of the paradoxical states of play that we find ourselves in the creative industry, but also just across consumer culture at large. Um, I suppose it happens all the time. And yeah, on a day to day basis, whether it's like on my, in my personal life, and of course, in screenshot, because like what we do essentially is look at like technology trends, politics, conversations around the future. And then we strip it down and we're like, OK, how can we communicate it to like a new gen audience, which mm-hmm. is the way we kind of see mm-hmm. it's not necessarily Gen Z or millennials. It's just like a state of mind and everything about what we do is contradictory completely. And I'm not sure if we've ever like been in a time that is so contradictory mm-hmm. that you're like expected to be so like, you know, own your actions and be so conscious. But at the same time, like. You live in major cities, you have to buy clothes, like you have to keep your house like warm. You have to somehow continue like in that Instagram feed and like continuing your career. Mm -hmm. So everything is like constantly like battling one against the other. And um, yeah, I suppose with Screenshot, like what we do a lot is like we try not to like judge it. We try not to be too biased in any way. We just kind of give it like, you know, this is the platform. This is a fact. This is what people are doing. What does it mean to us? Like, how can we create emotion around it? How can we create conversation around it? I think one of the things I guess Permaflux does is outrightly kind of have some sort of ownership and onus to what is happening. Because, um, as Sarah rightfully put, when we go and do these reports or when we go and, you know, research our customers uh, or consumers, there's an element of trying to distance yourself from what is, um, I guess, characterize as bad or, or or not you know politically or ethically or morally right but actually being able to um own up to something i think it's a big step forwards and i think it's something that the project is really for facilitating those conversations even if it opens up to criticism mm-hmm. um one of the things that sarah i think rightly talked about is the, the realities that we framed it'd be great if you can explain the reason why <laughs> we framed those three realities and whether if you guys even and think it's relevant and if it's true to how you see the world? Um, I think we began by exploring the topic, which in, in itself is extremely large and difficult. And the one thing that we kept coming up against when we were debating this topic is how do you frame it? How do you give it parameters and some kind of level of understanding to people to try and democratise their thinking? Because otherwise you end up coming up with this highly academic, very like, meta type of report that people then kind of end and are like what is that about I've no idea so we were trying to (laughs) so we were trying to ground in one allowing people to understand what we were talking about through emotions and like how that potentially impacts reality but also this is an experiment and a thought piece and it's not uh, it's a theory it's not empirically tested it's definitely not necessarily true and we might find that there's fourth or fifth realities or we might find that actually they are kind of blending and moving all the time or potentially their perma flux in themselves do you think it's like a positive thing perma flux like the state you know i was reading again the report yesterday and i was like 
is it just an observation? Is it like a place for growth? Is it, you know, is it negative kind of? I think it depends on how you perceive it. I see it as a positive that we've Mm. got to a stage where we have enough perspective and enlightenment as a culture to be able to coin a way of describing our feeling around it. Mm. Um, I think often in the last, I think definitely five years, we've all been pretty confused with like how we're supposed to navigate, how we're supposed to behave. And I think by giving almost people a way of describing that feeling or emotion, Mm. it allows people to maybe be not okay with it, but maybe then almost question it themselves and be like, oh, so it's okay if I'm contradictory sometimes. How can I like play around with it? Mm. It's a level of acceptance almost yeah. and owning yeah. up to it. And definitely there's I a negative part of it. <laughs> yeah, I feel that there's still like a lot of kind of like shaming around being contradictory though, mm-hmm. rather than like understanding that that's definitely part of mm-hmm. our realities mm-hmm. and I wonder how you can change that and how you can change that. Yeah, I mean, I, do, I think I don't, I don't, from my point of view, being a feminist, I think it's more there is this label that's, um, you know, has always been associated to how women are perceived and that idea of being like one dimensional. And I think really this opens up a bigger question in terms of like what, you know, being so much more multidimensional as people. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's kind of really trying to hit on that point as well, mm-hmm. you know, that rather than a contradiction, I think. So. It's interesting to hear your interpretation from that perspective mm-hmm. as well, because I guess where it came from originally, our interpretation was more about, you know, when we're documenting and, and trying to understand this consumer group, and particularly you mentioned like young consumers, the ones that come through the Gen Z, they are, they are by, I guess, definition, living a life of contradiction, but yet they pose as really big opportunity for, you know, brands and for businesses as well. And I think until we get to really understand that in a way mm. and, and the multifaceted nature of it yeah. you can never really behave or try and mirror their actions or try and speak to them even on their own level so mm. it's yeah it's definitely a conversation that needs way more deeper thought and hopefully something that you know people have different um, opinions on so I guess also the point about the guilt mm. thing mm. I think it's interesting because I think we're very quick to one feel guilty as human beings but to also shame people for those things and I think we often forget in the last decade because we're living in the world how quickly change happens to the such radical extremes that you almost expected to change behaviors attitudes lifestyles within like potentially a three-week period if something like enormously cultural happens you, you can suddenly be like oh I can't actually say that or eat that or mm-hmm. do that anymore and then you're expected to just like carry on with a different lifestyle immediately. And that's just not the way we behave. We get to it. But I think that's one of the current problems with like this very like 24 hour culture that we live is like mm. these changes happen so quickly. And yeah. then we're expected to like reframe our entire principles and value systems within like yeah. tiny and amounts of time. People, <laughs> you know, people are usually quicker to judge and point fingers and take it to like the Twitter town square for a lynching (laughs) um, on, you know, negative things rather than positive things. Like one thing that I I went last week to like a data talk at Depop, it was very like insights in terms of like, you know, 
how they mine the data that they have mm -hmm. on there and these young people like super young people who are just like basically changing the world of fashion mm -hmm. by upcycling clothes and it's all like secondhand clothes but at the same time like the amount of energy it takes mm -hmm. to like run the app the servers like everything that is like powering this technology so yeah it's got like a super positive side but it's also got like the downfall of mm -hmm. it and it's not necessarily like contra contradictory it's just like the way forward mm -hmm. Just looking at it holistically in a yeah. way and people forget to look at it and step back and just look at it in a broader context. Yeah. And one of the things that um that that's come through quite interestingly is just this idea of emotions around how we feel. Like, you know, the port talks about gratification and guilt and very much kind of opposing um feelings, but in the same context or from the same cause. Um one thing I like to understand a bit more is as individuals yourselves working within creative you know, spheres and uh, media spheres um mm. consumer culture how do you feel that you have become more sensitive or do you and i'm very aware of how you're feeling or do you feel like being in a kind of i guess post-internet world you've become almost more desensitized because it's such a personal um journey and it's a, such a personal question that i feel everybody has a different take on mm. um yeah i mean i was looking through that and i was trying to kind of i mean we've been talking about emotions at screenshot like even though we publish like you know articles that are super fact check we interview a lot of people um but everything we do is around emotion actually and i think the more information there is out there actually the more important it is for the consumers to have some sort of an, an emotional attachment to it so i think instead of like being desensitized by all this information we're actually becoming like a lot more emotionally driven and I think that um like one of my favorite authors Gia Tolentina she writes for the New Yorker she has a new book <laughs> Trick Mirror it's amazing <laughs> <laughs> she wrote a piece at the end of 2016 for the New Yorker after Trump got elected and she said that like our ability to know about things is growing way faster than our ability to do something about it so like what happens in this we just like for the things we care about and the things we consume, mm -hmm. it's just like super emotional and it's really personal. And you can see it's like on Reddit or on Facebook, like people responding to the articles, like they don't really care about facts. Actually, facts might not be true at all. They just care if it like touches them. Um, so yeah, I don't know if that answers the question, but that's something I've noticed in the screenshot that it's just like, it's about emotion. It just got me thinking about this idea of like this kind of new kind of like subconscious data that we're kind of I guess trying to process or we're storing or this there's this kind of um, new way that I feel like we're having to yeah like adapt like you like like you mentioned before and like you're you're you were saying that you can't really sort of like keep up that there's this like these these instincts that we had which are driven by emotion and um, I mean. I feel like a lot of your um, your work, but also kind of the community you created, it's in a way almost born out of emotion in a way, right? Because, you know, when I think of her visions, I think about um, escapism, I think about virtuality, I think about um, fantasy, I think about new realities. So at the root of it, there must be so many different um, individuals and different perspectives that, that kind of help make it so diverse and so different. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess it's interesting to kind of be surrounded by so many concepts and, and this whole idea of like collectivity and how that versus the individual, I think it's like those concepts is that as an overall concept, I think is kind of where I try and it's with what I'm trying to explore through her visions, definitely. What about you, Sarah? I, I have a complicated relationship with media and things to do with emotion <laughs> because I think that I completely agree that we are seeing that emotion is playing into like the way we make decisions and the way we navigate information and then that article actually was a really big inspiration this this piece and funny enough the book came out just after we finished this piece yeah and a lot of the stories in it feel literally like they could live within the report <laughs> oh, uh, that's so cool. <laughs> um, but I guess it's just for me it's this kind of constant feeding of information that's part of the problem and obviously most media channels try and create an emotional reaction which is extreme to get more engagement and to get more shares and to get more interaction and so I think people are really trying to navigate truth and opinion but often because there's two truths now how do you pick and the way you pick is your emotional reaction to it or your gut like you were saying your instinctual how do Desi- I feel? desire you know we're led yeah. by desire and it's like that you, you can't really no. <laughs> reprogram that in a way um like yeah. a computer but then also how we how do we engage with the technology that is inspiring this this of fueling this kind of yeah. energy um or this direction that we're going in which kind of in a way feels yeah very um whirlpool yeah (laughs) i think even the amount of information that is produced every day i read yesterday is like even bots couldn't keep up with the analyzing it to create like (laughs) the headlines so like you imagine that headlines are created for emotional reaction there's so much information that even bots can't process Process, it so as humans how do you analyze culture Mm -hmm. or like even daily news mm. or local news or like friends mm. emotions if like you bombarded all the time which means you can never get a perspective mm. which is like we are in this space and then the more emotional you get the closer you get mm. into the whirlpool yeah. and the harder you are to, it is to like zoom out and be like hang on I feel like it but why do I feel like it yeah as well yeah but is there maybe like a strength in like a blind spot because I always feel like Mm -hmm. there is always going to be one and there's always you know this feels very kind of um fluid and kind of um there is always this part something that Mm -hmm. it's like you can't really grasp Mm -hmm. and it's like how do we how do we turn that around and how do we get that blind spot into a place that is like yeah stepping away from something do you think that from a creative perspective um, that this is almost a, a positive thing to help creativity thrive. Like I'm sure, I mean, from kind of my research and kind of just looking through her visions, it's such a eclectic mix of different visions, different new types of media. And I feel some of the manifestations is almost kind of living and breathing that chaotic element a little bit. And at least definitely from a, a kind of a new realities perspective, you know, people are almost thriving in that in that in that unknown space mm. I mean I think there's like this I often think about this kind of new loneliness that we're creating and that's kind of where you know why I started her visions because I was experiencing a lot of art through social media which is a very in a way like in a very solid 
being in very solid you know in solitude essentially um and i guess like through that solitude or that kind of like searching it was like i don't know i felt like that idea of like losing place i found place so it was kind of yeah i feel like there's that's kind of probably um strength in, in in that so and also I do feel like you do have to kind of put yourself or not necessarily like feel sad but there is like you've got to go up down to come up and I feel like yeah that's maybe like again like a place that we're sort of at now so definitely I feel like through all of yeah the sort of bad stuff there's always going to be some good stuff that's coming out of it. One question I had for you guys, I guess, again, more of a personal, more of a light, lighter one is just around, you know, how as individuals who essentially live and work and thrive in cultural epicentres, the busiest cities in the world, you know, how do you um, relax and how do you embrace some of these elements that we have, you know, rightly pointed out that isn't necessarily the best for our mental or physical well-being? Personally, I do a lot of meditation. I know a lot of people do, but you know, everyone has their own you know, ways of coping singing out loud <laughs> walking around naked at home. <laughs> these things really chill me out it's just feeling something isn't it I feel like yeah definitely like the, yeah things like that make me happy and chill yeah. me out <laughs> I don't actually yeah I'm trying to think what I do I think that Probably, like, I know it sounds a bit counterproductive, but, like, listening to, like, American late night TV shows <laughs> is just, like, my thing. Going down Reddit, yeah. seeing what's happening. <laughs> what kind of, like, 14-year-old kid in Canada am I having a fight with on Reddit? <laughs> That's why you get edited to a screenshot. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what about you, Sarah? Oh, God. Uh, I, I have quite apathetic behaviours so because I spend a lot of my day sometimes in like deep heady topics or reading like some quite sad like content or talking to people I tend to like just watch really crappy like reality tv shows which I know one I'm a feminist so that actually really challenges me but two I just like need my brain to like not process anything yeah. or I watch like reruns often like so I know what's happening so my mm -hmm. brain can actually like fully relax and I can think about something else yeah, yeah. <laughs> or I swim that's the other thing yeah and the gym definitely <laughs> gym helps, yeah. uh, and cool and I guess the last question for us is just what would you like Publix to inspire we talked about some themes of just being able to know the context and just being able to accept um, but yeah, it'd be great to hear, see if there's any other contributions and what you guys like it to lead to. Um, I mean, I think that contradictory is, uh, contradiction is important. Mm. But also, I mean, I kind of talked a little bit about this like shaming and this judgment. And, you know, like I had a chat with our US editor the other day and he has like a very different maybe kind of like stance um than I do and he usually tends to be like this is terrible like you know Amazon influencers like that's horrible and we ran an article about like um how language is changing on the internet and I think just like as much as we can like not really 
like labeling things as like that's bad that's good it's just kind of how it is right now especially when like culture evolves and that's important it's important to be like that is the next logical step because that's where we are right now and everything else makes sense like yeah tiktok is a minefield but it makes sense and it has a lot of powerful and positive qualities to it and I think actually like accepting this karma facts and just if you know if we work in the world of like media and publishing just like giving it a platform and making sure that whoever we're working with just like has the tools and the knowledge and the education to understand it but not necessarily like labeling it as anything yeah I think yeah I mean I agree I think that it is about this sort of new landscape of of being almost in a way embracing being non non judgmental and yeah not I mean I think that's I mean something that I feel very very strongly about and I feel it's with judgment that come you know, that's when these labels start to 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 um, exist I think and I feel like those two things like judgment and um, being yeah sort of labelled is kind of something that I think. Yeah, we do need to sort of move away from them. Yeah, I really hope that, yeah, it is about these, yeah, existing in this perma. I think for me, it's like people feel really empowered when they feel understood. And mm. and I think this hopefully will help people understand themselves a bit more and understand like their like internal complexities and predicaments and like emotional feelings towards themselves, actually, like mm. the guilt or like feeling it's okay to feel the guilt or actually it's all those things I think it's giving something a word words can be pretty tricky and they can be powerful and they can be all sorts but I think giving people a way to feel understood is what I think does embraces that yeah lovely well thank you girls that was really insightful and really inspiring tuning into the Services Unknown podcast. The Services Unknown podcast serves as a medium for us to learn and challenge new creative thinking, bringing in talent from our community. Have an opinion? DM us at superimposed.global or email us hello at superimposed.global to have your voice heard.